Hello and welcome to a very special edition of IMI's Talking Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, David Larkin, IMI's Content and Brand Manager. Today, we're going to take a closer look at leading a remote workforce, the challenges therein, and the solutions that companies have veered towards during this time of great change. I'm joined by Jennifer Dowling, a work and organizational psychologist and director of Train Remote, which offers comprehensive capabilities and knowledge necessary for your organization to harness the potential of remote work and remote first training. So Jennifer, you're very welcome to the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. How are things? Good. How are you, David? Very good. Very good. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, So I suppose I want to kick off just speaking about um, you know, leadership's all about adjustments. It's all about adjusting to new circumstances. And obviously over the past year, people have had to do that a lot. Um, leaders have had to do that a lot. So um, teams are finding new ways to collaborate. But from what you've heard, where do the knowledge gaps still lie in organizations when we're talking about remote working and the practicalities of that? Yeah, um, I- I think you're you're right that the rate of change and, and adjusting has been amazing over the last few months. Um, I think for many people, kind of they're collaborating and, and working in ways now that they would never have said they'd been able to even 12 months ago. You know, so in terms of as a starting point, I think we it's about acknowledging and, and taking confidence from you know from that, that that kind of the depths of our collective adaptability. And I think that's really important. Um, I think that the job now is probably to build on this. Um, after a fairly tumultuous 10 months, um, I suppose it's about looking at, you know, what is working, what has worked, what's not, uh, and where do we want to, to get to, um, and where do we want to be as organizations, you know, when we put our head above water, in, in what direction are, are we swimming, and, um, and, and how, do, how, how do we get where we want to be. Um, from my experience, there's probably a few common gaps and challenges across the board. Um, the most significant, I would say, is probably in, in relation to communication. Um, as someone famously said, you know, remote work is effectively a communication challenge. And, mm-hmm. and whether you agree with that or not, there's, there's some uh, or a degree of truth in that. Um, I think while many of us are probably surviving virtual communications at the moment, um, I don't think we're necessarily thriving in virtual communications. Uh, anyone who's doing, you know, six Zoom calls a day uh, and then doing their day job at the end of of the day or you know going from one call to another and at the end they're not able to remember what what the first call was even about um is not kind of thriving virtually so for me uh, remote work offers us kind of a unique opportunity to re- revisit i suppose not just where we do work from but how we do work um and i think there's there's a call for looking at you know how we shift to more asynchronous communication how we use tech tools to to support more effective collaboration and communication um i think probably that's the space i see the most significant um room for improvement right now yeah that's really interesting and uh, you mentioned the uh, collective adaptability i think that's a really good way of putting the i suppose the challenge that we've all faced over the past year and now kind of I suppose even looking ahead, um, as you say, that there are things that we can take from this and kind of to build on, I suppose. Um, so I, I noticed on your website, um, you, you point out that a, a shared mindset is pivotal uh, for companies to get on the same page and function at a high level in this current climate. And that's something that really resonated with me. Um, how have you seen leaders actually putting that into practice in their organizations, given what you just said about, you know, the complications of communicating? Yeah, so I think there's there's two or three things there kind of in, in relation to, to mindset at the moment. And, and some of it comes back into that that collective adaptability piece that, that, that we talked about already. But, you know, I think that um, those who kind of understand and embrace and work with kind of that, that growth mindset in general, I think they're, they're, they've kind of, you know, flourished um, 
in the challenge that they've they've been presented and they're adapting faster learning quicker embracing challenges as they're presented um and I suppose uh, they, they kind of see challenge as an opportunity to grow and develop and not as, a, as an affront to kind of fixed and rigid ways we've always done things. Um, so I think also kind of in, in that shared mindset, it's also that idea that I mentioned about kind of knowing where we want to go and having clarity in, in what we want to be as an organization at the end of all this um, and looking at, at that and how we get there as well. And I think kind of for, for, for me that the whole remote mindset um, is kind of a mindset that's very closely aligned um, kind of to, to this idea of how can we enable people to do their best work so so remote and virtual work for me is not just where you do work from but you know this mindset of how we can enable people to do their best work period you know and and as an organization this kind of um shifts the question from where people do their work to to how we maybe as leaders and and, and organizations can enable people to do their best work and whether that's you know fully remote hybrid fully in the office in a co-working space uh, whatever that might be i think that, that that's kind of that that fundamental question at the, at the end of it all is is how can we enable people to do their their best work yeah i think that that's a really well said uh, point there and um i suppose um looking forward a bit um just on that topic of you know how leaders can actually empower uh, their people to do their best work um when they when, when leaders kind of sit down and they take stock and they you know in the coming months and things actually do start getting back to normal what do you think will be sort of the the main kind of lessons that they'll take forward in terms of um not only you know their own sort of um kind of practices i suppose or their own uh, kind of leadership style but also just um how they i suppose plan for the future as well yeah um I suppose the first thing that comes into my mind, the big flashing neon sign for me when you ask that question is kind of the value of informal communication. Uh, and I think the last couple of months has really compounded our um, understanding around kind of the value of, of, of informal communication when, when we've had such a lack of it. And, and that's been compounded by, by the restrictions and, and the current environment. Um, but I think that's had significant costs for organizations and, and individuals. And, and it's probably why I see, you know, some form of, of hybrid being the most likely outcome of, of all this, um, I think is, is the importance of that, that informal for so many reasons for organizations. Um, I think as well, you know, the importance of communication skills in general, um, particularly for leaders, um, obviously the importance of agility and adaptability. And, and I think, you know, and we talk a lot about it now, but really that, that idea of fostering resilience. And I think these are all kind of some of the key takeaways that, that the leaders will have from, from the last couple of months. Yeah, that's that's a really good point as well, just in terms of um, informal communications. And that's something that's come up, you know, in speaking with my own colleagues, there's this kind of, I suppose, this yearning for kind of getting back to the cafeteria, get, you know, those kind of chats in the hallway where you just kind of, you know, ideas are generated and, you know, that's all gone, but we're, we're having to make the best of it. Um, and actually, just um, in my own research, um, just in terms of the pandemic and what effect it's had, it's, um, it's really interesting to me that... Um, organizations have now put more of a focus on employee well-being and motivation and you know kind of I suppose engagement which is the most important thing given that we're all uh, in different places at the moment um so do you see that as kind of um something that organizations will really kind of hammer home as as we kind of plan for what is likely to be as you say kind of a hybrid model going forward this kind of idea of you know you know putting people first retaining your talent and then keeping that engagement level high yeah, I think this has been so um, interesting, actually, as, as an observer for, for the last couple of months. Um, 
I think it's been really kind of, I suppose, heartwarming to see organizations who've kind of put their money where their mouth is uh, around this pandemic and putting their people first. And, um, and you know, you talk about that, that whole area of well-being. And, and I think the impact that that has had on organizational trust and reinforcing positive elements of the culture or the organizational culture are really significant. Um, I actually talked about this with a few groups recently and uh, what they said was, you know, they could articulate you know, better now what the company values and culture was than they could 12 months ago, you know, and I thought that was mm. really interesting in terms of the impact of, of, of kind of that cognizance of, of well-being and, and employee well-being um, on, on kind of attitudes. Um, and I think, you know, also those who haven't done this well are really going to struggle. Um, and then I've seen this, unfortunately, too, you know, where people feel like maybe their well-being wasn't prioritized by their manager or the organization over the last few months. And, and I think we'll be paying the price of that potentially kind of potentially, you know, irreparable in some cases damage for, for quite a while. Um, and I think all this comes back to that point of, you know, how can people do their best work? Can we talk about engagement? Um, and, but I think you kind of also raised the point around kind of talent and talent retention. And, and I think that, you know, there's no denying that remote work is, is going to be on the agenda for a lot of people now going forward. So I think planning now and positioning ourselves now to attract potentially a whole new pool of remote talent, but also retain our existing talent um, is going to be really important for, for organizations as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And actually just uh, following up on, I suppose, remote working as a concept. And I'm very interested to get your thoughts on, um, you know, having spoken to, to leaders, what has been sort of the, the attitude or the kind of feeling regarding the idea that, um, and I hate to use the term the new normal, but let's use it one time, um, that remote working will be uh, the new normal in many ways and has there been any I suppose pushback or any kind of uh, you know uh, negativity towards it or has it largely been sort of you know a feeling of acceptance? Yeah I think this one is really tricky you know I think even extrapolating the impact of the, the pandemic on remote working data that we have now is, is nearly impossible you know so so people say that they'd like to continue working from home and when we look at the research you know locally we look at the NUIG Whitaker um, Institute research in, in Ireland and you know in the most recent iteration of that we saw 94% of people kind of indicating that they'd like to have some form of remote working going forward uh, and for most people that's kind of a day or two a week. Um, equally if we look at that at a, a managerial level um, Nicholas Bloom over in the States has done quite a bit of work with managers and organizations over the last couple of months looking at attitudes and, and kind of looking at what's coming and you know and people kind of indicating that they see kind of up to 30% of work now being done you know from home going forward so so there's lots of um, indications that, that that this is going to be a reality for us so yes I think we have to accept that you know many of the blockers to remote working that you know I would have seen in research and practice pre-COVID have, have now been removed um, but I think it's also hard to know how people are going to feel in a few months time yeah, and it's even hard to predict you know would people be as you say you know tearing down the door to get back into the office and see each other or will people be anxious going back in um, and I probably think that both will will coexist um, uh, and I think that it's really important just to remember in that, that you know what we're doing now is is not remote working or even virtual leadership in you know in the remote team leadership context you know what we're doing now is working from home you know during a lockdown due to a global pandemic and and that's a very different um, different set of circumstances so I think uh, as leaders there's been a huge amount of crisis management as, and as employees kind of the challenges have been quite different and unique um, but I think you know th there's no denying that, that most of the, or many of the challenges that and blockers that exist for remote working have gone so I think there is that sense of acceptance that, that remote working will be part of our, our, our future our new normal going forward. 
Yeah, and it's really interesting as well, just kind of, as you say, it's very difficult to, I suppose, take this kind of set of data, looking at that NUIG study and kind of saying, well, you know, this is what's going to be, you know, kind of the, the truth going forward. It's something that we need to kind of really uh, reevaluate and kind of say, well, this is a, a small sample size in many ways. So I suppose um, just to finish up, um, I'm very interested in just kind of speaking, uh, you know, let's uh, hypothetically speaking, say we go back to kind of the form of hybrid workplace where, say, you're in the office three days and you're at home for two days. How does that sort of, um, I suppose, change the um, calculus for leaders in terms of, you know, say certain colleagues are in certain days, certain days they're not in, and then you're having to kind of balance these relationships and things like that. I suppose the idea of virtual leadership uh, will still exist. So how do you kind of see leaders kind of altering their ways or kind of changing their tactics? Or do you see that things might just um, kind of settle into normality again? I think there's a lot of kind of iteration required in that. I think it's coming back to this this idea that, you know, communication and constant learning and, and growth mindset are, are essential now more than ever, you know, that, that we are connected with what's working, what's not working, you know, even from a technology perspective, you know, that we're abreast of what the changes in technology even over the last 12 months have been significant in, in what they can support in terms of virtual communication and collaboration. So I think as leaders now, we need to be constantly iterating, looking at how we're doing things. And I think that that that, that general um you know idea of you know are we enabling people to do their best work you know can can be the real um driver and instigator for for that way of thinking but i think constant iteration good communication um all towards supporting kind of um you know uh, the highest level of kind of uh, productivity and well-being for, for both the organization and individuals are probably um core core to that going forward so Jennifer, just to finish up, um, what general advice would you give to leaders as they sort of try to internalize the experience of the past year and try to move forward with a bit of optimism? Um, great question. And, you know, I think that there's an awful lot to be optimistic about. And there's an awful lot that we have learned over the last 12 months that, you know, I think we haven't even had a chance to, to reflect on. So I think that would be the piece of advice that I would give is, is take the space now to reflect. Um, we've just designed a virtual leadership program with the IMI and, and it was designed for leaders to facilitate that space, you know, you know, to shift from what has been a very reactive period of time into strategic, you know, what are the challenges going to be in 12 months time? Where do we want to be as an organization? What can we learn from the last 12 months? Can we build on what do we need to do differently? And there's a space now to experiment within that, you know, using the best of information around what other organizations are doing well, what organizations were doing well pre-COVID in terms of virtual leadership, um, what are the tools, what are the techniques, and pulling that all, all together to, to kind of um, to look forward. And, and I think that's that's the advice I would give now is take that space to, to reflect, look at where you want to be, experiment now, you know, so that when we do find ourselves in a position where some people are, are hybrid working or are fully remote working, that we have we have the, the best practices and tools in place. Absolutely. Well said. And thank you very much, Jennifer. I think we'll finish up there, but much appreciated. And thank you for your time today. Pleasure. Thanks, David. Before we go today, I'd just like to thank Jennifer again for her contribution. And of course, to you, the audience, for your time and attention. You can learn more about Jennifer's work at trainremote.ie. And Jennifer is also the program director for IMI's virtual leadership program. Be sure to check in for another edition of the IMI Talking Leadership podcast very soon. Thanks for listening.